0: This episode of Eye to Eye is brought to you by Janique Locks. If you're looking to get started, there's no better place. She specializes in all kinds. Dreadlocks, micro locks, sister locks, lock extensions, instant locks, interlocking, and more. If you're in the 757, please don't hesitate to contact her. You can find her on Instagram, at Janique Locks. That's G-E-N-I-Q-U-E-L-O-C-S, Janique Locks. Or you can find her at her website, JaniqueLocks.com. Janique Locks, where locks are envied. All right, let's go ahead and start this podcast, man. <laughs>
1: to exposure on one case or can be due to like a cumulative level of traumatic events. Uh, So that can cause you to be emotionally exhausted and completely withdrawn from society. Uh, So you can imagine where that applies across the board um, when you talk about compassion fatigue and like you said, not how Christ calls us to operate. Yeah. Um, So it's one thing that repeated traumatic events, and this doesn't just have to be, you know, first responder that that happens to be what we're talking about today but like you said you can't have compassion fatigue from you know other traumatic events yeah
2: if you're um, a pastor
1: yeah well you know that's a great example yeah. i mean if, yeah,
0: pastor fatigue i mean there
1: should be a there should be a ptsd conference for pastors with all the stuff that they go through
0: uh um, seriously you
1: know so it it's one of those things where it's it's something that can occur and i think you know i just I literally read you the definition just so you'd have an idea, but just the word and compassion, and then fatigue—they <laughs> yeah. shouldn't go. They shouldn't go together. No, you know, because when I joined the fire service back in 2005, I wanted to help people. Yeah. You know, I genuinely wanted to help people. I grew up. I knew I wanted to do something that involved people. I chose the army and I chose the fire service, and I had passion for people, for helping people. Now, over the years, you know, I'll just get right into it. I worked in downtown Norfolk for the first 10 years of my career. So we were busy. Yeah, You know, we were busy with house fires. Um, The city I work for is cross-trained. So we work on the fire trucks and we ride the ambulances. So for half our shift, we're on an ambulance. And for half our shift, we're on a fire truck. Um, You know, I think I can honestly say I've probably seen more traumatic events in my firefighter career than I did when I was deployed. Wow. Yeah. I was de- deployed for a year, been in the fire department for 15. And, you know, it's normal. A nice day in Norfolk to us downtown. If it was 70 degrees on a Friday night, we were talking about shootings. Yeah. We are like, well, it's nice out. That means there'll be a shooting tonight. That means there'll be a stabbing tonight. Uh. That means people will be, you know, that's, that's what we talked about because that's what we expected. And, you know, shootings became a regular thing. They shouldn't be a regular thing. Right. Um, You know, stabbings were a regular thing. So I'm going to this stuff over and over and over. Now, I remember the first shooting I was on, you you don't forget this stuff. Well, it was the first one, you know, so you don't really think about, okay, I'm gonna experience countless shootings and stabbings, and I'm eventually not gonna be able to count the number of dead bodies that I've seen. right? you don't think about that year one <laughs> and that's where compassion fatigue really sets in. I mean, I can think I was probably about six years into my career and we got dispatched for a shooting at the zoo. It's probably three miles from our station middle of the day. We get there. There's probably a 20 year old kid shot six times on a basketball court <sighs> and the cops show up.
0: Lafayette.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yep. The, the cops show up over there. Uh, You know, they're looking at us. He's, there's nothing we can do at that point. He's, he's dead. Um, but you know what we're talking about? Hey, what time are we going to get back to the station? She can get this fish done so we can eat dinner. Mm. Like that's, that's our conversation. And it's not because it's not because we don't care because you, we care, you get wrapped up in, this is the job that you do and you're challenged daily to, um, find a way to have compassion when you're constantly seeing things like and but that's one of the stories I think back and I'm like we were so worried about (laughs) hey who did we leave the fish in the fryer (laughs) wow you know I can remember going back and we had I tell you what we ate we had rockfish, tater tots and pineapple coleslaw Mm. and it was amazing. (laughs) You know, but that was on three minutes after we just saw
2: somebody that's not normal. Yeah. And an outsider probably looks at that and and would judge people for that but in a lot of ways it's, it's a self-preservation thing it's a defense right. mechanism and you know one of the things that you had mentioned before we we started recording was the need for people in your position or you know other public services where they're dealing with things like this is their ability to have these conversations where you don't let that kind of bleed over and become numb in your own life right right
1: yeah so it's so it's hard. I mean, like you said, it's kind of a self-preservation technique. Um, you know, that happened at six o'clock in the afternoon. So I have at that point, I've only been on shift for 12 hours. I have another 12 hours. So I'm like, that's the first shooting in my mind. So I'm thinking we have plenty of more shootings to go on tonight, plenty of more medical calls. I don't have time to hurt, process, uh, talk to my friends, talk to a loved one. Not only that, we have each other, and and back then it was a little bit more macho. It's starting to change now, but it's not changed completely. Mm -hmm. And there's there's really nobody to talk to, and nobody wants to talk about it. I was young, just got back, more now I'm in the fire department. You know, it's you don't want to become numb to it, and eventually, at some point, you realize you have. Now I'll say this: the numbness only lasts so long. Before it starts to bleed over into real life. Yeah. And uh, you can't be withdrawn just in one situation. It eventually bleeds over into real everyday life.
0: Yeah, actually, um, I was just going to say, if you can unpack that for us a little bit, because I wanted to talk about culture. You right. mentioned culture previously. And I remember in previous conversations we've had concerning firefighter culture, you, you've uh, kind of given lens to a lot of other things that happen, uh, kind of how just like you were saying in your own life you had a, most of them have wives well, not most of them don't let me get in trouble uh, but some of them have wives and then they have girlfriends on the side uh, right. and there's all of these other practices like do you think that a lot of uh, a lot of that is potentially more an outcry than than anything else or you know just cuz i don't think anybody's begging to get caught or thinking that they can lead a double life and just be okay with it i don't think that everybody in the fire department is just evil like that i mean clearly right. you weren't Um, so do you think that the nature of that beast kind of spawns from that? You think that like, it's a touch of a catalyst Uh, Just something I was always wondering.
1: Yeah. So no, I'll, I'll I'll definitely touch on that and I'll I'll say like, so it's definitely not just fire department. It's pretty much any career that I would say is mainly men. So the, the issue is men. Uh, it's not fire department. It's not army. It's not, it, it's a man issue. So, and I just happen to work in fields that are primarily men. So when men are in the middle of identity crisis and trying to figure out who they are, and their outcry for attention, they do stupid things, you know. Now, to what to to what you said, absolutely, do firemen find different ways to cope? Do police officers to find different ways to cope? Do first responders find different ways to cope? I mean, the divorce rate is seventy percent in public safety. Wow. wow. I mean, and and I think that's probably in line with national. National averages, but it's 70%, you know, and then, but you have coping like, you know, there are drinking is huge, you know, because yeah. it's a way to cope. um You know, pornography is huge because it's a way to cope. You know, living an exciting life or something that excites you, it's a way to cope because not a lot excites you anymore. Uh-huh. You know, when you're going on these calls and people see firemen and they're in the trucks, they're going down the road, their the sirens are blazing, they're running to burning buildings, they're helping people. Well, suddenly the roller coaster at Busch Gardens with your family. I mean, Loch Ness Monster is not that exciting.
0: <laughs> you know. So, it, it, I mean, you know, to be honest, Nessie ain't that That's not to the begin best right yeah, I mean, She never <laughs> was 12 years old, bro.
1: Yeah. You know, so definitely it's it's a way to cope. It's a it's an outcry for help. Uh you don't really have to deal with your situation, So You, you, you try and live another life. And um Now, I will say this coming up in my career, I had some really great examples of people that did know who they were and they did not let the fire department define them. And, you know, they were, I would say, people that never let me go too far. Uh, They always pulled me back or I'd always look at that guy and think, I can do this. Uh, I don't have to do it the way that I'm doing it. Mm. So while there is a, a high percentage that I would say are finding different ways to cope. There, are, there is a percentage of guys that are out there that are willing to mentor uh, people that are really going through it.
2: Yeah. One of the questions that came to my mind when you were talking about your background and when you realized, when you woke up that morning and God said, you know, you need to turn things around and you started going to church and you started getting involved in kind of your church community and becoming accountable and turning your life around. And, and then you go into the fire station and you said that, that they saw this change in you. I know for a lot of Christians, it can be very difficult to be in an environment where you work and still be a Christian because you might not work with a lot of Christians or, you know, people might have a bad opinion of who Christians are, unfortunately. Um, what, What was that like for you? What kind of challenges presented that since we're talking about kind of culture of, you know, fire department, things like that, when you walk in there and you're kind of this, you know... Born again radical Christian, like what, what was that like for you?
1: Yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. It went from you know uh, partying with the guys, a one night stand here and there, to you wait a minute, you go to church. Like <laughs> this isn't even real. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> you know, so I had grown up like that, but I kind of just hid my identity. Yeah, you know, from these guys. So it was a challenge. But I think what I would say to anybody who's in that environment who's been a believer for a long time, or maybe somebody who's just got saved is the key is just to be yourself. And Mm -hmm. and I don't think I even knew how to be myself as a believer. You know, I I talk a lot about, um, you know, I'll just use, I'll just use slavery as an instance. If you have, you know, slaves and they're slaves and then you free them. Well, they don't automatically know how to live free. Mm. They've been living a certain way for so long now they're free well somebody's got to show them how to live free or they're just going to go back to living the way that they were living yeah and and i think um a lot of the times like you know we don't and i would say i i had some guidance but i i went off the rails as far as i would say crazy christian inviting everybody to church (laughs) hitting people upside the head with the bible so i did a lot of things wrong right um the biggest thing I would say is honestly just be yourself.
2: And how did they respond to you? Did, were there people who were open to hearing it? Did it take some time? Like how did that work? Were there people thinking, oh, this is a joke? <laughs> like, <laughs> there were people that were
3: like, this is going to
1: phase out. Yeah. This is a joke. This isn't real. Um, there's no way we know who this guy is. And to their credit, I wouldn't have believed it either to be completely honest with you i mean i've had people come back and tell me stories about me that i've forgotten that i've been embarrassed about that i wish <laughs> i could erase from the record <sighs> that they'll never let me live down yeah so you know and if, if you go to one party with a group of firemen and you do something dumb every time they see you if they don't see you for five years they're going to tell you about that one time yeah And uh, <laughs> you know I've, I've just learned to live with it but um yeah so they were and a lot of people didn't think the change was real And, um, you know, I've had people come to back to me. I mean, last year uh, I met with a guy in the station and uh, I hadn't seen him in years. And he said, Hey man, I just want to apologize. This is, uh, this was real. I didn't buy it at first. Mm. And I would say like, if the change is real, you'll see fruit and just be consistent. Yeah. You know, and, and you don't have to, I think I wanted to show people it was real. Yeah. And I went out of my way to show people. And you don't have to do that. Like, if God's really truly changed you, you can just be yourself, and people will see it. Yeah,
0: that's good. Why don't we go on ahead and just mosey this topic onto to some other things that we've already spoken on? Um, why don't we just go ahead and talk about uh, the the nice race pandemic that we're that we're experiencing currently? Because I know that we've we've definitely had a couple of conversations concerning this, and I've always been curious as to how this collectively impacts all of, you know, not just law enforcement, but first responders. Um, and now, you know, there's evidence that our, our national military may get involved in certain instances in certain cities, at least at this particular point in time. Um, you know, I think that we're blessed uh, in the city of Norfolk specifically, you know, I'm, I'm very familiar with the, the police chief and I know that they've gotten awards. Uh, since he's been in um, that speak to their ability to do community policing very, very well. Um, and that there are, uh, the, the crime rate, I think, is down uh, about 22% um, in, in the last year alone. Uh, it speaks volumes the fact that uh, they didn't have any, if you want to just say the words, looting or rioting in the midst of everything that had happened in the wake of George Floyd's death. Um, but I know that that is not always the case. I really, I think I just want to talk philosophy because I think, thankfully, you haven't really had to endure what a Minnesota has gone through or Portland, Oregon or or things of that nature. But um, can you speak to just kind of the understanding of, of what it would probably be like to be a first responder in those situations and in those circumstances?
1: Um, oh, yeah. I mean, it's scary. I mean, I look at these other guys in these other towns and, you know, I'm not there, you know, by any means. but You know, and I'm not a cop, I'm a fireman, but I work very closely with cops or police officers, whatever you want to call them. And, you know, it's scary to think that a guy that I work with, you know, on a regular basis, you know, is looked at the way that he's looked at. I mean, I I get it. You know, I've heard a hundred things about uh, you can't have bad apples in certain jobs. Like, you know, you can't be a bad apple if you're a pilot. You know, I get it. You know, but they're, they're not all bad apples. And it is a scary environment right now because that is our protection, whether we like it or not. And um, is it all great? Absolutely not. Is it all bad? Absolutely not. And I think at the end of the day, the scary thing is I'm a human. Like, I'm a human being that has a family at home. And so so are the first responders in all these other states. You know, we see a uniform on TV. We see a badge. We see a uniform, we see a gun, we see handcuffs, we see a scuffle. That's what we see on the news. That's what we see on TV. Who knows what's real and what's not real. I don't even want to get started on the media right now because mm. that's, that's, that, there could be a whole channel for that, let alone a podcast. And you can right. run that channel 24 seven because the feed that we're getting, I don't even know what's right these days, but I can say this, when you're looking at the news and you're looking at the media I'd like people to just start seeing the fact that these people are human and put themselves in their shoes. we got a lot of people speaking out against all this stuff and what they would do and wouldn't do. Yeah, I'd like them to do a ride-along for a day and put on a cop uniform for one day or put on a fireman uniform for one day and stand on the front line and you get to make a split-second decision. So it's scary to watch this stuff. It's scary to watch something happen that should never have happened. You know, the events that I've seen happen... You know, they're tragic. Do I have all sides of every story? Absolutely not. Do, am I trying to look at everything from every perspective? Yes, I am. Do I agree with everything? No, I don't. But it's scary when I'm watching TV and I'm a first responder. Well, I don't get a break or a holiday. If something happens, I'm the person they call. And I see other cities literally burning to the ground. So they're not just attacking the police officers. They're throwing bricks at fire trucks. Yeah, They're kicking first responders and EMTs while they're trying to treat people that are down the street. So I'm looking at my brothers and sisters and it's absolutely 110% scary. And the sad thing is, I don't think people are truly understand this is a humanity problem. You know, we're yelling at people, screaming at people because we've chosen to identify them with a uniform. This is a humanity issue. And whether you like it or not, it's bigger than a humanity issue. It goes into a good and evil issue. And there's a lot of good and there's a lot of evil. And it's something people really don't want to talk about because once you understand that there's a good and the an evil, well there's a good and an evil, then you got to pick a side. And if you pick a side, then you got to do something. But if you don't, most people don't want to do anything, but they want to have a voice.
2: Or you end up picking a side and on two or three issues and so you just embrace everything that that side has. And I think right. that's where we get that's where we get ourselves in trouble. What people don't understand is that good and evil cohabitate. And, yes, absolutely. And you know, when you hear about reform and change, it's it's not because everybody's bad. You know, if everybody was good, we this wouldn't even be an issue. But in some right. cases, it's like, well, if I admit that some is bad or some accountability is necessary, I'm admitting that it's flawed. It's like well, there's nothing wrong with admitting something's flawed or something could improve or something could get better. That that's not an admission of complete and utter failure. You know, I think I think the, the police and first responders are vital. We absolutely need them. But I think that any type of reform or or improved training or whatever it may be that's going to help everybody. It's going to help the police officers at the end of the day. It's going to protect them. It's going to give them an opportunity to have resources to, you know, help them post these events or avoid these events and as well as the public. It, it works both ways.
0: Right. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm I'm not gonna agree with that wholeheartedly because I believe in this. I believe that on both sides we have evil and evil, and that's perfectly fine because we are all human. And I was just having this conversation with my class earlier tonight. We're talking about Jeremiah 17:9. You know, in in today's culture with millennials and Gen Z, everybody's always about following their heart and stuff, and that's 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 cool. That's cute. Um, but we all have to remember that even on our best day the heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. So what well, I'm not trying to when I say that hear my heart because I'm pretty sure somebody can take that snippet and run with it. Uh, what I am trying to say is, you know there's just there's gonna be something that it will be an error on both sides. Um, so when you, you know, say, the,
1: when you say there's evil and evil on both sides, what are you saying?
0: What, what I'm saying is that even on my best day, I know that there's something in my heart that probably has a bias towards something that is not only unnecessary, but probably just flat out wrong. And I have no choice but to admit that to myself every day. That is the heart check that I have. Um, the problem that I see with a lot of the situations that we have, it don't even have to be political, uh, even though a lot of things are politicized, mm-hmm. um, is that even when somebody is pushing for the right in their situation, there's an undertone that they have to be willing to admit to themselves is wrong. I mean, I right. believe that it's, it's, it's nature versus nurture. And a lot of people are falling on the side of nature, which would be fine if they were also self-aware. And that's just me. You know, I, I, I do all this unnecessary thinking. I don't know why I do it, but I do. But the conclusion <laughs> that I've come to, especially in this situation is, you know, and if we're going to have real conversations, we can talk about the partisan issues. Hey, you know, let's just go there for about three seconds. I am one who believes that no child should be aborted unless there are super, super supreme circumstances. Um, And I mean, I don't believe anybody just wants to go around aborting people. At the same time, though, you best believe that I think the Black lives matter. And I also believe that we need to care for those individuals who are marginalized and oppressed, and and the representation that they carry in our nature, which is uh, in our nation, excuse me, which is currently um, either black or brown bodies that are being distorted and killed on national television, or we're also talking about um, immigrants who are coming in. Just remembering that everybody other than Native Americans themselves are immigrants in this nation, right? That are being yeah, that are being mistreated for. What other reason than reasons that we don't really need to specify? Um, And so the the single stories and the narratives that are being pushed in this situation, they're not deplorable because, yes, we should champion for those things, but you should not pit one against the other. And there's my evil in that situation. That's not the only one. We could talk about masks. We can talk about whatever. Um, But the bottom line is there should and could and would be a both and. If not for, and you already you already mentioned it, uh, the issues concerning our media today, uh, the issues concerning the fear that they have put in the hearts of so many people, and the certainty that they've gathered that they are the power source for being victorious in these situations, which they can't be because they're human. Um, and especially if they claim to be Christian, that's when they really, really piss me off because... I'm sorry, there's no one that I can trust in on this earth that I know every single day, every single moment, every single hour, every single minute, I I, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt can actually come through for me the way that that Jesus can, you know, and
1: right. So to if, that point, what you just said, no one can come through the way that Jesus can. So just to add some context to this, because I don't think I've said this, like you are an African American male. Um, mm-hmm. I am mixed with I don't know what African American, uh Hispanic, uh, Native American, Scottish, English, Irish. I I, if you look at me, I'm a brown guy. People don't really know, but some people would cross the street at 12 o'clock at midnight if they looked at me. So just to give some context to the listeners. Now but but here's where I'm going with that. This is a humanity issue. So there's when we talk about sides, well there's evil on both sides. There's my issue. We once again have gone, we're gonna draw a line and there are sides. That's our problem right now. And if we're talking about believers, because I'm a believer, you're a believer, that we're all believers, Devin's a believer. Yep. If we're talking about believers, then we're all this is a humanity problem. So when we're like there's evil on both sides, well, that's just evil. So evil is evil. It doesn't matter what side it's on. The problem is we've drawn it, we've drawn a side we've said this is on this side this is on that side evil is evil forget the sides there's humanity and there's good and there's evil like there's a there's thousands of issues thousands of issues you know and right That's now true. um you know the the main issue that we're seeing in the media you know is police brutality uh black lives matter of course they matter i'm not even going to get into the movement versus the fact that black lives matter mm-hmm. a whole whole other case mm-hmm. but On top of that, we have all this stuff in the media that has become the focus, and I don't even think we have time to get into the fact that there is so much evil happening right now under all this stuff, because we're not talking about it, because all we're talking about is police brutality and Black Lives Matter. Well, what about child trafficking? What about all that stuff? What about the pedophilia ring in in Hollywood that's being exposed right now? What about all these big names that are being brought down? But we're so focused on being divided over these issues that we've completely forgotten about humanity and that God has said there is good and there is evil. So yes, I will agree with you and say that, you know, everybody has decisions they have to make and not everybody can do something that's good. And maybe I have thoughts that I need to check on a daily basis. Forget the sides, because if there were a race war tomorrow, I'd be screwed because I live in a mixed family. I have a white wife. My kids are mixed. I'm mixed. So (laughs) is somebody going to split us up down the middle? So I remember
0: talking about that, yeah.
1: Yeah, me and my family, listen, it's about like we're going to talk for real. This is a kingdom family. That's how I raised my family. We're all inclusive, and it's multiple different cultures. If we live by any culture, it's a kingdom culture. Now, we can get everybody on board with that then we can fix the nation. And that should be the focus. But unfortunately, we're so divided on these issues and there's, they, they, the enemy is so smart. The enemy being Satan, if you don't know, that's how I refer to him. The king of deception has us focused on all this other stuff. We really just need to come together and understand that God is good. Jesus is king. This isn't about religion. This is about fixing the world, through relationship with God and a relationship with people. So the sides to me, I'm like I don't have a side, bro. If I have a side, it's heaven. That's it. But outside of that, I can't pick a side, which is very irritating to some people. <laughs> I have one
0: side. Yeah.
1: I serve one king. If you're going to try and get me somewhere else, I I can't do it.
0: Yeah, no, I I agree with you, bro. And actually, you know, we we talked about that a few uh, a few episodes ago and basically how what what we're seeing is we're seeing fruit issues and this is why I love you because you went dead to the trunk and down to the root. But that's the thing. I think all of them at some, at some level need to be addressed somehow. And, you know, we've been having that conversation for a minute. And so it, I believe, and I'm I'm not trying to sound snooty or anything like that, but I believe that anybody who really understands the heart of God for his people and the fact that he celebrates us and uniqueness of each and every individual and that there's unity and diversity um, that when you can get on that page, that you don't have to worry about things like the race conversation anymore. I've been there. I've, I've I've said that a million times, and I will continue to say it. But unfortunately, a lot of folks really aren't on that page, and it it destroys well, the not mess on that out of
1: page me because they're not on the kingdom page. I think we <laughs> can agree on that.
0: Yeah. Well. Yeah. I wouldn't say all of them aren't. I say that I say that it's discipleship and it's a process that they're learning. Um, and the more they continue to learn that process, I think the the quicker that that understanding will come to them. Um, But there is a reason why in the book of Luke and also in the book of Acts, Luke paints a picture of the understanding of of what it means for Jesus to deal specifically with the marginalized and the oppressed, because he knew that down the road there was going to need to be some type of application. The fact that there is racism in the Bible, my favorite story when it comes to that is the parable of the Good Samaritan. And the fact that Jesus told that story specifically by using the word Samaritan because he knew that the person he was telling it to would hate and detest the word Samaritan because it was a mixed breed, because they weren't pure. And when he gave his answer on who would be the neighbor, he didn't even say the Samaritan. He couldn't even say the Samaritan. He said the one. You know what I'm saying? Because if he said that, it was almost like he would be nauseated. Like he would just pretty much vomit out of his mouth having to give an answer like that. Um, But I'm... Bro, trust me, I'm 100% on, on the page that you're on. I do feel like that is the conversation that we need to have. I just have a concern that for many people out there, we are years away from really being able to address that. And it doesn't scare me because we've said it before. If you look at it from a societal standpoint, and I believe that we can definitely expedite the process, but it took decades for us to get to this point. And I ask people, how long do you think it's gonna take for us to be able to get out of this? When well, you say we'll not...
1: decades for us to get to this point, what specifically are you referring to?
0: The fruit issue, which is okay. what we are yeah, for, for what we're seeing right now. Got so it. I I wanna get back to the root issue as well. I even want to at least get to the trunk issue. Um, but some folks that's not and of course there are other things that are impeding. The process as well, and you know we've we've already had that conversation. So, what um, but, would you
1: define as the root issue?
0: Oh, the root issue is clear. Same thing you're talking about. It's 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 the sin issue. It is the sin that separates, and it is the enemy that divides, mm-hmm. right? Because he wants to keep us away from God because he hates us, as he desires us to not have this relationship with him. He's going to do anything to make that happen, and that begins to manifest itself in different ways. And we don't even we we could talk about capitalism. We could talk about um, sexism. We can talk about racism. We can talk about all of them. He just kind of picks and chooses where he wants to put those things and he pushes ever so slightly. And unfortunately a lot of us don't adhere to the understanding of the fruit of the spirit or anything that comes with it. We, we adhere to the other side of it, the gossiping, the backbiting, the, the pride, you know, I just, I've been unpacking, I've been unpacking Um, Hebrews 13 a lot recently Uh, Because it addresses almost all of these points. It's kind of crazy how it does it. And one of the first things that it talks about is how we are to do good to everyone, uh, especially strangers specifically, because in doing so, we might be entertaining angels without even being aware of it. Right. You know, making a supernatural statement like that, of course, some people are kind of leery because, again, only 50% of Christians actually believe, quote, quotation marks, uh, what the Bible says, which is a problem in itself, because if you don't believe the whole thing, that you may not be a whole Christian. But, um, you know, if, if we're looking at that and we're listening to that, some people can be leery of making a statement like that because, yeah, that means that they have to be self-aware and they recognize very quickly that they probably have not been doing that. Right. You know, and that then becomes the problem because it is wrapped up in the identity issue of what it means to be an actual christian.
1: Oh, see, you said it again, so now I got to say something because <laughs> it's the identity issue. Yeah. So, so here's an interesting fact I learned in about probably about a month ago. Identity in in a in a family comes from the father. So this is really interesting. So bear with me for a second. So identity comes from the Father. So my identity comes from my Father, which I, my Heavenly Father, which I would call Jesus Christ because there are people that have other gods that they worship, but I I don't think that's who we worship. So we're talking about. So identity comes from the Father, so which is a huge issue these days. So we're really going to get to the root of all this. And I think you know where I'm going with this is Mm -hmm. I'm going to take this back to the book of Genesis and I'm going to take it back to, when the serpent was talking to Eve and Adam sat there and watched the entire thing and let it happen. So we have a man in a relationship that's in a relationship with God that has a wife, doesn't step in and says nothing. It's fall of mankind. Some people don't like to call it that. I'm just going to call it that for the sake of time. So was it Adam's fault that Eve ate the fruit? No. Was it his responsibility to step in and say something yes 110 percent. absolutely yes so there we see the first fall of a man in a relationship in a relationship with god a relationship in his marriage so in that point now we lose all dominion this is this isn't a bible class but i'm gonna make it real short want to get to the root issue the root issue is men and if you're listening to this and you are a man you probably need to get your stuff together because you look at statistics about every issue in the United States and global issue can be traced back to a man and a problem that a man (laughs) created at some point in his family or generations, you know, For all the ladies out there,
2: I'll say it right now. Preach.
1: (laughs) So, I mean, so that's a fact. So we want to talk about the root, but we don't want to talk about the root because the root and, and you know what? Thank you, Devin, for allowing me to actually share a little bit about what I went through and Thank you for the kudos, Jordan, because I am going to speak now to the fact that it's a man issue and it's not easy to own it. It's not easy to say, like, I've screwed up. This is not all my fault, but it's my responsibility to lead my lead myself, Mm -hmm. lead my family, you know, because you will affect generations. We are dealing with generations and generations and generations of men who have done it themselves, decided they were going to wing their own relationships with God try and fix their marriages or just not, just not care. Mm -hmm. So they've created these blast patterns that have affected generations of people. And that's what we're dealing with today. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can trace everything back. Every, and I say everything, I use the term loosely, but you can trace the majority. We're living literally in a fatherless generation right now. So it is crucial that guys actually step up to the plate and say, you know what? Maybe I don't know how to leave my family. But I don't know how to lead my family because I don't know how to lead myself. But I don't know how to lead myself because I was never shown. Yeah. But if God's a father to the fatherless, you know, I 110% believe that you can reach out to God in the middle of your living room, never having stepped in a church, never having talked cares about you enough to reach in and this is a man issue if you really want to get to the root.
2: I mean, Jordan and I talk a lot about identities and a lot about sides, simply because um, whether it's 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 right or wrong, and and most of us would probably agree that it's wrong, <laughs> is that it is happening, mm-hmm. and right. since it's happening, it has to be addressed. It has to be discussed. And to your point about men, oftentimes leading, you know, their families one way or the other, that boils down to you know, if we're going to talk about Genesis, we're going to talk about kind of those those roots. It boils down to tribalism and a sense of belonging, mm-hmm. and too often men are looking for a sense of belonging in in humanly relationships versus godly relationships and yeah, and you can end up thinking i mean i i've heard i've heard christians on i'm going to use the word again both sides <laughs> i've heard christians who who would identify themselves as conservatives or or as as progressives not understand how the other side could be christians and that's right. the problem that we're having because it's not about what those two tribes are identifying it's about what the tribe of of god wants and and that's the bridge that needs to be built and that's the change that i think we really need as as godly men you know jordan and i engage with a lot of different people who would i would happily identify themselves as one side or the other versus what you're saying, I'm hey, I'm yeah. on I'm on God's side. <laughs> right. I, yeah. I wish more people would identify themselves that way, but they simply do not. <laughs> right. No, they really don't. Well, and,
1: I, and I think even what you just said, as far as you know, 50% of Christians believe the Bible, and then you're talking about Devin, um, you know, this half, you know, believes this, and this half believes this, and this other half doesn't even believe that they're Christians. And I'll be honest, within the past year, when people say, Hey, are you a Christian? man, I'm like extremely hesitant to answer, right? (laughs) Because you're not actually asking me if I'm a Christian, what you're asking me is, do you fit the definition of my stereotype is what people are asking
2: me, right? It's the hypothetical,
1: (laughs) right? So it's the (laughs) hypothetical. Do you go to church? Do you read your Bible? Do you think you're better than me? Are you a hypocrite? (laughs) You know, it's, it's usually the negative uh, that come with it. So I'm only hesitant to answer because I'm like, what you want me to answer is yes, and I'm full of religion. But I would like to say that I'm not. Uh, I would say that most people that know me pretty well know that I completely 180% can't stand religion. Uh, I hate it. You know, this was all about a relationship with Christ. It was not about a religion. Like, Jesus did not come to start a religion. The problem when he showed up was there was a religion in place. And he was like, uh, hey, this actually isn't going to work moving forward. And we've put a lot of it back in place. So that's the hard part nowadays is when people say, hey, are you a Christian? I'm like, oh, man, that's such a loaded question. (laughs) I don't don't really know how to answer that.
0: Yeah, no, that's wild. Uh, It should never be a loaded question to be. You know, I I told you we were having that conversation. I told you the same thing. I was like, you know, I don't even say that anymore. I just liken it to the faith and I just use a capital F, you know. Yeah, that's um, where
1: I'm at. I'm like, I believe in Jesus.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Uh,
1: Well, we can go there, but I'm like, tell me what you think a Christian is and then I can answer your question. Well, I'm pretty sure you're coming at me with something. And
2: like, I've been asked a lot by Christians. Are you a Republican or a Democrat? So the same thing happens. Like people just keep right. trying to to you know slice you down and and find where you stand. And oftentimes I just tell them, I mean, I, I'm I'm I don't identify as either. I identify right. as you know somebody who who loves God and and tries to follow His commands. And unfortunately, our our system is flawed and our leaders are flawed, and they always will be. Um, but I spend a lot of time, you know, trying to pray for them and trying to pray for discernment over who I can who I can elect. Cause that's, unfortunately that's a system that we're in right now, you know? And, right. and, uh, so I, the best I can do is try to discern and use his wisdom to make those selections as best I can. And, you know, there's that, that blending of the responsibility we have as Christians and the responsibility we feel we have as Americans and, and then all those blurred lines and, <laughs> you know, it's, a uh, it's, It's a tough thing to navigate. And over the last several years, I feel like it's only become more and more blurred and more and more difficult to really try to find that true north, you know, where we're supposed to be leading and uh, where we're supposed to be influencing society as Christians and taking the lead there.
3: Yeah, well, it, it
1: blew my mind, like something that somebody said a couple years ago, you know, are you a Republican? Are you a Democrat? You know, and somebody was like, you know, God's not even an American. And yeah. I was like, man, I've actually never thought about that. Yeah, uh, yeah that's a topic Jordan and I there. hit
2: quite a bit because too many American Christians basically think that that Christianity is the American religion. And it's like, you know it existed like 1,700 years before we did, right? <laughs> yeah, and I'm
1: like, it's 1,700 years before we did. If you do some research, we're actually, a little, you know, we could make some course changes.
2: Yeah, our, we're really behind place. the times, actually, when it comes to Christianity. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Yeah, so when I heard God wasn't an American, I Forget I had to go that. home and I
2: had to pray. <laughs> you well, you made the right choice. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: bet you did. Bet you dead gone did. Nah, man. I mean, you know, the a couple of things because it's it's a uh, it's past the time that I, I want to keep you a married man. Um, so. Oh yeah, that'd be great. I can't let this one go. Probably. I won't. I won't get another yeah.
2: one. Yeah, my wife's asleep. No, I, yeah, just, yeah. I just I just want to watch the Lakers. So yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. let will we'll see what the score is. But anyway, now, you know, just I, it's always good to remind people that the bride of Christ is global. Um, right. Yeah. And, Amen. and that there are so many times in that Bible where it says all nations, races and tongues, um, you know, and it's, it's just it's something that can't be refuted. And anytime that any of these beautiful Christian nationalists and fundamentalists want to have a conversation with me, I'm glad to hurt their feelings and put them in check because better are the wounds of a friend. Um, but you know, if we're, we're going to wrap this up real quick, if there's one thing that you would say, uh, to kind of surmise this entire experience, one thing you could tell, not just men, everybody, but I'm I'm sure you want to tell the men because that's what you do. You tell the men, um, about our current climate, uh, and we all know the answer is Jesus, but you know, if if there's something specifically you want to speak to in that. Uh, what would you tell people?
1: Yeah, I would just say stay hopeful. You know, I'm, I can honestly say like it's a frustrating time. It's an uncertain time for some people. And I think the biggest thing for me since, you know, I can't even say since this whole thing has happened, because some people have lived lives of just hopelessness. It's not the pandemic, their whole life has been hopeless. So for them, this mm. is just a continuation. So, just stay hopeful and you really at the end of the day you have got to find something to put your trust in you have to um you know if you don't you don't put your trust in something you will fall for anything and for me it's it like we just said Jordan the answer is Jesus I can't I can't say that enough you know this is about kingdom and I guess to wrap it all up I think honestly what I want to see is everybody just come together for for good I don't care what you believe in. Mm-hmm. There's good and there is evil. Mm-hmm. And if we can all find a way to come together, as this sounds 1980s, but for the good of mankind, man, it, that's a powerful thing. But overall, you've got to stay hopeful. I think the one thing the enemy is trying to do through all this is just steal people's hope. I mean, he's come to steal. He's come to kill. He's come to destroy. And that's not what God promises. God, provide, God promises a life of abundance mm-hmm. and abundance and joy. And that's complete opposite of what the enemy is trying to do right now so just stay hopeful and you know if you're around people that are just full of despair and trying to drag you down it might be just time to take a break and find some new friends
0: (laughs) word so find new friends is uh is the message that that josh i'm gonna find new
1: friends after this
0: nah that's good (laughs) see what i did there let me me help you out nah it's good uh yeah josh man brother honor and and an absolute pleasure to have you on here bro um appreciate you we know you're going to come back and hang out again you kind of have no choice um but uh yeah ladies and gents thank you also for tuning in to the latest and greatest episode please don't forget to like share subscribe leave them five stars and and generous things on 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 apple because algorithms suck um you know, just do all those things. We really, really would appreciate that. And of course, as always, please don't forget to be inspired to inspire because that is what the inspired one does. I am Jordan.
2: I am Devin.
0: That was Josh. He'll be back. Uh, and we will holler at y'all on that next time. Please wash your hands.
2: Wear your mask. What
0: would, what would Justice say? She oh, would say I, I hate, make what, your dinner and I, go I to bed. LeBron. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> from Burger King. Um, I, I, we don't hate LeBron also. Just we certainly don't. Still. No, no, that's good. And I love the fact that LeBron is playing Harden right now. Like, you know, this uh, is going to go south in one way, shape, or fashion.
2: I can't stand watching that man play basketball.
0: <laughs> okay, yeah. Let, let's, let's, let's shut this down. Thank y'all once again, but We'll catch you next week. Be safe. Peace. Engineering by Devin Chandler. Editing and production, Jordan Brown. Marketing and media, Justice Swangle. Thanks again for listening to the latest and greatest episode. Please don't forget to follow us on FB, Inspired One Enterprises. On Insta, at I underscore the number two underscore I podcast. And of course, don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, Leave five stars and a generous review because you love us and want us to be successful as we do you. Thank you once again for rocking with us. And remember, be inspired to inspire because that's what the inspired one does.